Welcome to the Myth-Busting Lung Cancer Screening Podcast Series, hosted by Dr. Debbie Dyer. This podcast is brought to you by the American College of Radiology and the National Lung Cancer Roundtable. Hello, and welcome to the Myth-Busting Lung Cancer Screening Podcast Series for Lung Cancer Awareness Month. My name is Dr. Debbie Dyer, and I'm a thoracic radiologist in Denver, Colorado. I'm talking today to Dr. Gerard Silvestri, of Medical University of South Carolina about the pulmonologist's perspective on the myths in lung cancer screening. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about tobacco use and tobacco treatment in the context of lung cancer screening. And so, Gerard, I wonder if you could talk a bit about what patients should expect regarding tobacco treatment when they enroll in lung cancer screening. Well, thank you, Deb, and thanks again to the American College of Radiology and the National Lung Cancer Roundtable for hosting these podcasts on this very important subject. And I just want to take a step back, Deb, and talk a little bit about what gets you into a screening program. So you have had to have smoked for about 30 years a pack a day, so 30 pack years. So that's the way we figure out whether someone's eligible for screening. Or, for example, 15 years at two packs a day. But by whatever criteria, you have to be a fairly long-term smoker. And if you haven't quit by the time you get screened, we see that as what we call a teachable moment. What does that mean? That means that, look, you're coming in, you obviously care about your health, and you want to get screened to hopefully avoid developing an advanced lung cancer and find something early that's treatable. But you also have this terrible addiction. And one of the things that's uh, there have been a couple of really remarkable things in the tobacco cessation literature. One is that in the screening studies where they randomize people to either get screened or not get screened, the recidivism rate, that is the people who continue to smoke, was exactly the same uh, between the people who screened and aren't screened. One of the things that tells us is that it's a, such a terribly addicting disease. And I don't honestly pass judgment on anybody who's addicted to tobacco. It's, it's, it's horrible. What I would say, though, is in setting up screening programs, one of the things that was mandated by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services is that we at least address smoking in population that comes to be screened. And so you may be referred to a quit line, you may be offered medication. One of the things that's happened nationally, though, there's six huge research grants. I won't tell you what type of grant because the general public, but they're big National Cancer Institute grants that went to six institutions and investigators to really look at incorporate how to best incorporate smoking cessation into a lung cancer screening visit. And that's called the SCALE initiative. And so what's happening right now is there's a lot of research going on and how to best offer cessation services to people who are being screened. What you should know is some programs, some big screening programs, we're offering, for example, at our place, we offer you smoking cessation counseling. We offer medication right at the time of the screen. I'll give you another little fact. One of the best ways to know about whether someone's really addicted to cigarettes is what's called the time to first cigarette. How quickly after a person wakes up in the morning do they smoke a cigarette? And what I'll tell you is we looked at this in the National Lung Screening Trial, and about a third of the patients, a third of the patients need a cigarette within five minutes of waking up in the morning. That tells you just how absolutely addicted people are. And so 
one of the efforts that we're trying to make in our screening program and others nationally is to recognize that this group that's 55 years old at least, up to 74, 30-pack year history of smoking, they've been smoking for a long time. They're very highly addicted, and we need to be aggressive about how to provide them with the tools for tobacco cessation. So there's a lot going on in that venue. But what I would also say to my patients out there or anybody listens to this podcast is if you could go to get screened and if it's really time for you to consider quitting, and we hope it is, understand a couple of things. We know you're addicted. We're not going to pass judgment. We want you to get therapy, which almost always in that regard will include some type of nicotine replacement therapy. And you should also realize that almost no one quits on the first time. The average smoker who finally quits for good, it takes them five or six times to try to quit smoking. So don't get down on yourself. We know that it's going to take a while for you to quit, and we, we would like to help you in any way we can. And so it's our hope that this will be a teachable moment. One on the last fact, Deb, and I know I've gone on for a while on this subject, which I'm a little bit passionate about, is that if people have an abnormal screen, one of the other things that research has shown is that if people have an abnormal screen where they need to be biopsied, even if it turns out not to be cancer, it scares them enough to, to quit. And so I don't want you to have to wait for that biopsy to be scared enough to quit. I want you to think about it and, and let us help you when we first see you in a screening program. Oh, I love the sound of all that. And the empathetic approach that you have is really, I think, what's needed. I wonder how you would respond to something I've occasionally heard, even a pulmonologist, but some primary care providers say that they don't believe they should refer a patient for lung cancer screening unless they have quit smoking. And of course, your comments about it being a teachable moment for smoking cessation would go against that idea. But have you ever had a conversation with colleagues about that? And how do you convince them? Yeah, so I've, I've heard the same thing, Deb. And as a physician, I think both, I, I hope that both of us would ascribe to, to this. We don't stop treating a diabetic who's developed type 2 diabetes because they're overweight. We help them treat their diabetes and help them lose weight. We don't stop treating someone with liver disease who happens to have an alcohol abuse problem. We treat them and help them get relief from their addiction. It's a very slippery slope as a physician if you're going to make decisions about who and when and how to treat someone based on their, you know, their personal health history. And I think it's, I quite frankly think it's wrong. And that gets out to this stigma that seems to be associated with smokers. Well, if they're just not willing to quit, then I'm not willing to send them for treatment. I, I really feel like it's disturbing. And I really feel like we have to get away from this. One of the things I tell my patients when I meet them, even when they, you know, some of them, by the way, even when they have a known diagnosis of lung cancer, they're so addicted, it's difficult for them to quit. And I tell them, I want you to quit. I'm going to help you to quit. But listen, even if you don't quit, I'm always going to be there for you either way. Like we're going to be there for you. We're going to care for you either way. That's our obligation as a physician to help care for them. And so my hope is that that they wouldn't force that terrible decision on a patient. And, and by the way, if, if you're listening to this podcast and your doctor doesn't want to refer you, find another doctor. <laughs> if you meet the criteria, just go out there and find another doctor and, and someone will, will get you screened. My goodness, yes. I think we absolutely appreciate that sort of supportive messaging that you would be providing to a patient. So 
Thank you so much. I think this is a challenging area, but you've given us some great insights and thoughts on how to address this. So thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the American College of Radiology and the National Lung Cancer Roundtable. 